Thanks, Sid. You're just a one-man band up here. Can, can I... Can I push this and it'll preach for me while I'm... Yeah. <laughs> well, I want you to imagine that you're in, you're in a hotel, you know, in one of the upper rooms, uh, upper floors of a hotel, and um, a fire you know, breaks out on the, on the floor, and it's the room right next to the, the stairwell, you know, so you, you can't uh, go to the stairwell, the elevator isn't, isn't operating, different guests start to uh, gather you know, in the, the hallway, and, and can you imagine in that moment, in that time of you know, real stress, that time of, of real danger, that, that then folks start to... Uh, argue about what music they're playing in their rooms. You know, or they start to argue about politics. Well, the fire is burning and the smoke is coming in and they, they turn to one another and say, you know, I don't like those pajamas. You need to change your pajamas there. But can you... That's sort of silly, isn't it, with destruction looming. And yet, sometimes... In the church, we do that, don't we? we? We know the urgency of the moment. We know the, the destruction of judgment brought on by sin. And, and we know even more, we know the joy of salvation and, and life and, and love in, in Christ who has conquered sin and death. And yet at times, in the midst of that kind of urgent destruction and with, and, uh, upon us and salvation right in front of us, we get caught up in secondary issues. Now, a lot of them are very important. I don't want to dispel them at all. But the church is united around following Jesus and the salvation, the life, and the love that He brings. Today, and we're going to talk for the next eight weeks about what that means to be united, what we're united for, what we're united from. And, and also, we, we see in the world around us, you know, all kinds of division. I mean, folks have been saying in terms of this last election cycle, you know, it, it was very divisive. There, there were plenty of opportunities to make peace, but not much peacemaking you know, going on. And, and even after the election, you know, there, there's a spike, or a real rise in hate crimes. And, and one, just this last week, when somebody painted a swastika on the sign outside of Hebrew Union University in Clifton. You know, that, that's a sign of one of the, the, our most base, despicable events in our history as a globe. And yet somebody paints that there. How do we get to a point where somebody would say that's a good idea? Even if it's just kids with a joke. How do we get there? So, so there's division all around us. And it's easy for the church to jump into that division. And get caught into There's strong forces there. But we're all on the same floor. 
And there's destruction on one end, but there is salvation on the other. And it is the work of the church not to get caught up into those other secondary things, but to be focused on the purpose of all of us and drawing all that we can into the life that God has for us. So so today, our our first unifying reality is that we are all sinners. That we are all on the same floor. We're all broken. We're all deserving of God's judgment. The, the, The fire, the fires of hell loom against sin. Don't want to soft pedal that at all. And we all are seen by God in the same way as sinners. Opposed to God. Dead in our sin, Paul says. And I propose to you that until we grasp that, then we'll be dividing against one another, somehow saying we're better than others. But as we grasp that we are indeed sinners not just sort of bad not just a few things wrong here and there you know just a few mistakes but at our core we are sinners deserving of God's judgment and that we're all on the same floor then we can be united all right turn with me to Luke chapter 5 um, starting with verse 27 it's on 837 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the, the screen. And this is uh, Jesus um, with Levi, also called Matthew. And he was a tax collector. He was a filthy rich guy, a guy that people didn't like. I mean, yeah, people don't really like folks that come around and collect taxes. And in Jesus' day, the, the money you made was the extra money you collected. So you never knew when, Matthew, when Levi came around and he said, this is how much you owe for taxes, you never really, never really knew exactly how much he owed. And uh, so he could say, yeah, you owe 100 bucks, but really you only owed 50, and he pocketed the other 50. So you can see how he was despised. He was good at it. He was, he had, he was rich, and he had uh, a number of other folks that were like him that hung out with him and learned from him. And what we're going to see here is Jesus, though, came for him. All right, so verse uh, 27 of Matthew chapter 5. Let, let's pray together. Almighty God, uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us. Your, 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 your living word through your written word will um, continue to form our heart and our soul. Teach us. We, we need you to teach us and to lead us and to change us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. After this, he, Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. Then the the Pharisees and their scribes, and they're they're the religious people of the day, they were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
See, Jesus came for sinners. So if, if you don't see yourself as a sinner, then you don't need Jesus. And you're in the wrong place. Because this is a place where folks who see themselves as sinners see us as broken, and we are in need of Jesus. That we are all on the same floor. That, that I am and you are a broken, selfish hater. And we need Jesus to continue to transform us and to change us. And that's what the church is. It is a collection of sinners who, as Jesus says, are repenting, who are saying, I want to follow Jesus. I see I am broken. I am going the wrong way. I need healing. I need help. I need Jesus to cleanse me, to make me right. So if you come to church looking for good people, you've come to the wrong place. You won't find them. That's what Jesus says. It's in Luke chapter 18, a little, a little later on, 18 and 19. It's a, a rich young ruler comes and talks to Jesus. And, and he comes to him and says, a, a good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Yeah. So if you're, we're coming to look for good people. It's, you've come to the wrong place. Place. You, we won't find them. See, that's what we have in common. That's why we are united. Not just here, but with everyone. All across humanity, we are all broken. We are all sinners. And we all have room to grow. We're all separated from God because of our sin. See, God is pure. He is holy. There is, he is the only one that is good. And so whenever you're pure and holy, you can't let impurity... You can't let what is bad into your presence. And so the good news, the gospel is that what Jesus does, is He has taken on our sin, died for our sin, and made us good and pure in the eyes of the Father. He has taken care of our sin and brought us into forgiveness. We, like we just sang, nothing good do we bring. We only receive what is good in Jesus. And in that way, we're all on the same boat. It's like you know, God, uh, from God's view, we're all separated and evil. You know, selfish, sinful haters from God's view. It's like when you look at the, the, the world, the globe, right? From a, you know, 100,000 miles away, a million miles away, sort of God's view. You know, it all looks the same. It looks pretty homogeneous, just like a nice little marble, right? And so from God's view, He sees us all in the same place because we are so far removed from Him. He sees it all, all of us at the same place is broken. Now, you come, you get on the earth, you get among us, yeah, there'll be differences between us, right? There's mountains and trees and valleys and lakes. There's, there's differences between me and you, but they're all just degradations, gradations of evil before a holy God. So we're all on the same floor. All are broken before God. I mean, Jesus says another another setting. He says, you know, if you lust in your heart for another, you're an adulterer in the eyes of Jesus. If you hate, despise another human being in the eyes of Jesus, you're a murderer. Did you know you had an adulterous 
murderer as your pastor? In the eyes of Jesus? In the eyes of Jesus, we're all on the same floor. We're not just some of us sort of good, some of us sort of bad. We're all in the eyes of Jesus. We are broken, fallen. You know, it always it gets me when, when uh, you know, somebody that we know does something bad and it gets publicized. And somebody will always come to me um, when an in- individual does that and it gets publicized. You know, but they're a good person. And at times I usually don't respond, but in my mind I, I do. And, and say, uh, no, he's not. That's what Jesus said. No, he's not. No, am I? I'm not. Neither are you. Now, again, we do bad things. And there's good things also that we do. So that's a whole other sermon, a whole other series. And, and the problem is we jump there so quickly because we avoid then recognizing and really living with I am a sinner in the face of a holy God. You know, we, we go and we start comparing ourselves to others, like Cedric said, and say, well, you know, there are people that do good things, people that do bad. Well, yeah, but that's not the point. The point here is that we're all in the same boat before God as, as sinners. And, and it's only good people who do bad things. Or it's only bad people who do good things. In our eyes, sure, it's only good people that are going to do bad things. In God's eyes, it's only bad people that do good things every once in a while. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, Jesus tells a story of uh, uh, some folks that are, that are praying um, to Him that, that captures this... this uh, appropriate demeanor before God, really one of of humility. Uh, Chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, again, those are the religious folks of the day, the religious leaders of the day, standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, like Levi, the filthy rich one, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. A realistic humility in the face of God is what... Jesus celebrates here. There's absolutely no one better than you in the eyes of Jesus and absolutely no one worse than you in the eyes of Jesus. I mean, that's, that's a very humbling thing. 
There's no one worse than you. Not even the person that painted the swastika at Hebrew Union, nor even the people that perpetrated the genocide and crimes that brought the swastika to be aren't better or worse than you in the eyes of Jesus. Now, And, and we, we share this, we focus on this, not so that we beat ourselves up, not that we leave out here, oh, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, because you're not a worm. If you were a worm worth nothing, then Jesus never would have died on the cross for you or for me. Is to say, no, you have the utmost dignity, and so does the person next to you, and so does the person that painted the swastika. The utmost dignity and value because Jesus died for you. And that's why we're unified. And until we grasp humbly that truth and reality, then we will continue to divide from others in some way because we'll see ourselves better than the other. The, the, the rich will look down at the poor. Uh, they're not good enough. And the poor will look down on the rich. They're a bunch of selfish oppressors. No one, no one is freed from the guilt of sin. And no one is freed um, uh, from the love of God. We are all broken, murderous adulterers in the eyes of Jesus who have been made whole and forgiven by His life, His death, and His resurrection. So our rallying cry, our rallying, unifying cry is Christ crucified. Christ on the cross is our symbol that unifies us. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, in the very very beginning of it, actually he's talking to the Corinthians about this very thing because they're, they're divided. They're fighting over, well, so-and-so baptized me. Well, so-and-so, well, Jesus baptized me. Well, Paul baptized me. And they're, they're fighting over those things. And, and Paul is bringing them together, uniting them about one thing, that they are sinners that are broken, but united at the cross of Jesus. Um, chapter 22, or chapter 1, verse 22 um, and following, for Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, just, just take a minute and think about this again in our, our humility, our realization that we are all on the same floor. Destruction is before us and salvation is, is to us in Christ and we, we are all there together. And Christ crucified becomes our rallying cry. We've lost the sense of just how crazy that is. That a man becomes human, saying he's God in the flesh, and then he's deserted by those closest to him. He's turned into the authorities, who then have a kangaroo trial, and then strip him and beat him and hang him on a cross, almost naked. And that's the picture of our rallying cry. That's our unifying force. Do you see just how upside down, inside out, and cattywampus is the kingdom of God? 
that Christ crucified is our rallying cry. That that is, as he says, the power and wisdom of God. That's crazy. But that's the kingdom. That's the way of Jesus. The scandalous grace, the beautiful love of God that brings you and I together who don't deserve it, who deserve just the opposite. And now we get to be a part of His team. You have the the family business, the fellow rescuers that share with others on the hallway, hey, here's the way to life. In just a little bit, we're going to have the elders and deacons of the church, um, new, new elders and deacons for this year, come forward and be um, ordained and installed and, and prayed for. And, you know, they, they come up to the, to the top, but they come up to, to lead in the same way that Jesus leads, uh, to make the rallying cry, Christ crucified, that we are united all people that are breathing with blood pumping through them, who are repentant, who are seeking after Jesus, who find our goodness in Him and Him alone. They, they, they're going to come to lead, but lead in the way that Jesus does. Not according to the ways of the world, but according to the power and wisdom of God. According to the humility that He calls us to. According to the honest realization that we are not good in and of ourselves but only Jesus is to, to lead us and direct us in that way now my, my, my word to you and just the application of, to you for this week is when you find yourself hating another you find yourself dividing from another. Well, it doesn't matter whether it's in the church or out, outside the church. Remember the rallying cry, Christ crucified. You know, re- remember there, there, will be, there will be, whether it's somebody you don't really know, you just read about on the front page or hear about on the radio, there will be somebody that you despise. Jesus died for them. And you want to pray for their blessing. You want to pray for their salvation. You want to pray for the, you're on the same floor with them. You want to pray that they go in the same direction, that we all go towards the light, towards the truth, towards the love of God. Whoever, whoever it might be, whatever it might be, don't let the ways of the world or the ways of the devil bring hatred, bring a division to you and any other human being. Again, they may, they may have done things that are atrocious, that are, that are evil, beyond even our, our ability to even comprehend. So, and I'm not saying those things weren't um, good. Matter of fact, you know, the, that, that's the whole point, is that we do things that are evil and that are wrong. I mean, it's easy to be unified if everybody does the right thing, but that's called heaven. Uh, right now we don't. None of us do. And that's why it takes the work of prayer and the work of bringing the Spirit to bear, the work of praying for the blessings of those that we oppose or that are divided from us or those that we hate. 
That's the power of the cross and the unity that He calls us to. So this week, the Lord will bring somebody across your path. They'll bring something across your path where you can bring Christ crucified and His power to bear. Amen.